You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Tama, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen isakaya, but what is exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. And my guests today are Joel Sunbook Boys and Aldo Boys, who are the co-founders of EQ. EQ is a unique tea company that sells high-quality Japanese tea based in the southern island of Kyushu. And if you live outside of Japan, it's not easy to find reasonably priced high-quality Japanese tea. Then I heard about EQ. And I ordered some tea from the website, and I had some wonderful new discoveries. And of course, there are other great Japanese tea companies, but I got particularly interested in Ikkyu's focus on the terroir of Kyushu Island. So today we'll discuss how Joe and Aldo decided to move to Japan, even though they had a solid professional career in Switzerland, how they discovered the charm of Japanese tea, why you should try Japanese tea beyond matcha, the unique terroir of Kyushu Island, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan Needs is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan, Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Joel Sambu-Ploys and Aldo Ploys. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Akiko. Hello, Akiko. <laughs> it's very nice to be with you today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, it's very exciting. So I'm, uh, I really admire what do you do. So I'm a big tea drinker now. So <laughs> Thank um, you. So first of all, to get to know you, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Well, um, so I was born in Geneva, Switzerland, but I have some uh, Swedish uh, origins through my mother. And um, I can say that ever since I was a child, we enjoyed really cooking at home, uh, family meals. So I have wonderful memories of my parents cooking um, delicious uh, meals from Switzerland, of course, you know, mashed potatoes or carrot cakes, but also from all over Europe because we did a lot of road trips that ended up being a bit like food trips. And so we had a lot of um, pasta, veggie, olive oils, and of course, cheese at home. Um, so that's what I ate as a kid and teenager. Saldo. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I was born in Italy, in Pisa, Tuscany. But um, my father's side um, family is uh, all from um, southern Italy, in Calabria. So... I was lucky enough because I, I could enjoy both uh, type of Italian cuisine from the northern part and the southern part. 
And I really enjoyed that because the, then we moved to Switzerland and for me, it was like there was lacking, something was lacking, but um, yeah, basically uh, in Italy, I, I could just, uh, you know, enjoy all the recipe of my aunts uh, in the family house in Southern Italy and uh, lots of eating lots of fish, uh, meatballs, every uh, aunt would have uh, its own uh, salsa recipe. So yeah, I, I can feel very lucky with that. And then uh, later on, I, I would also enjoy the differences between the wines uh, from southern part and northern part, or even in Switzerland. So quite uh, a lot of variety. So that's 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 good. Mm, wow, what a combination! <laughs> you cover <laughs> the best parts of Europe. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Hey, but interesting. So, and then now you eat Japanese food. So your your food world is very rich. <laughs> yes, yes. And in Kyushu, it's especially good. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's the best. It's, I think it's the best. Mm, right, well, actually, my father uh, was from Kyushu, Kumamoto, and then the you know, oh. food culture there was just different. And also, I mean, it's such a small country of Japan, but this diversity of food really can be seen, oh. especially places like you know, Kyushu. So I encourage everybody to visit Kyushu. <laughs> totally, totally. Please come now that we can all travel again. <laughs> and Kyushu is off the beaten tracks and it's really a place that everyone who loves Japan should visit one day. Mm, right, and the people relax and nice and some sunny and it's mm. really, you can't miss it. So, mm. all right, yeah, I was going to say that October 11th, I think that Japan is totally... Uh, open in terms yeah. of no COVID <laughs> yes. restrictions. So finally, finally. Mm. Right. So, and uh, so now you, we know where you're from, but uh, both of you had a very well-established career before you started EQ. So could you tell us about your life before EQ? Right. So there's a life when we were back in Switzerland, of course, <laughs> and there's a life in Japan before we uh, started EQ. So before we left for Japan, I was uh, basically in the legal industry. Um, so it's very far from the tea world and really not as fun and exciting and really not as good, of course. Um, I graduated with a PhD from Geneva University and then I got a Swiss bar degree. And after that, I was like, all right, I want to do something else with my life. <laughs> And lucky me, my husband had also the same impression. So we um, built up a kind of project to try um, to do something in Japan. And our first years in Japan, at first we were in Tokyo, in fact. I was still a bit in the academic world, but um, with Aldo, we had our own business already. And uh, there I was a part-time consultant and I did a lot of market researches for overseas exporters interested in Japanese food markets, but also for Japanese companies looking for solutions overseas. And so we already had, like I would say, our fingers in the food industry at that time. Mm. Okay. So what about you, Aldo? You were like before IQ. Yeah, it's it's a bit similar in the sense that uh, I also had um, a former job in a 
I would say, a private bank. I was in the IT sector, first as a web developer, and then uh, IT security engineer and um, consultant. So also quite far from um, from anything related to tea, but uh, I had also a passion about Japan from long before, and um, especially by taking picture, maybe Joel will tell you more about that when we first went to Japan. Uh, but yeah, basically we had this uh, different job, uh, quite boring if you ask me in the sense that uh, in Switzerland, yeah, you're either working in the bank uh, industry or low industry. And we felt like we really need to do something else. And yeah, we had some kind of ideas to work in Japan, but nothing really that uh, precise. We, we, we wanted uh, to maybe to start something on the other way around by importing uh, Italian food, which also helped us to get some um, experience in the import-export uh, work and consulting. But yeah, so mm. uh, very uh, areas very far from the tea industry. <laughs> Right. Well, that's interesting, right? But uh, I know a lot of people, like including a lot of Japanese listeners, they like Japan. But you actually went to Japan, moved to Japan mm-hmm. since uh, 2009. You've been in the country and also mm-hmm. you lived in Fukuoka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, you say in Tokyo, you live in Fukuoka. So what's the, the missing piece, pieces of uh, the puzzle? <laughs> It's a well. It's a long story. I mean, coming here, um, even if 2009 is already 13 years ago, but our first connection with Japan started 20 years ago, exactly 20 years ago, when we came for a honeymoon, and it was a very long and beautiful honeymoon because you know European vacations and uh, a comfortable budget. So we were so privileged we could enjoy Japan with all freedoms and we could travel around. And well, one of our very first places was Kyushu. And this is through Kyushu that we fell in love with with Japan. And over the next years, we we were so, we were going so, I don't know, how can I say that, attached or emotional about it. We came back several times. And well, maybe Aldo will tell you a bit also after that, but, you know, it was like a seed, like a tree, a tea tree. A seed was planted. And at some point we were like, you know, this is getting expensive <laughs> coming here every year. Why, sh- why don't we live here for a while? Let's try to, to build a project. I mean, you don't do this overnight. You have to, to build, to plan, to, to have a goal, right? So that was two years I think two years long preparation. And the thing we didn't plan, of course, because life will never <laughs> help, is that we didn't come here, just the two of us, we came here with a three month old baby in July 2009 in Tokyo. So that was, of course, awesome, exciting, but also very scary. <laughs> Being young parents away from everyone in a foreign country. Um, but that's what we did. And we had just, we wanted to stay maybe between one and three years. I had connections with academic circles and so on. 
But of course, life happened again, and in this case, a very awful thing, and that was the Tohoku earthquake and Fukushima mm. disaster. And we were in Between Tokyo. Between 2011. Yeah, and we were in Tokyo on that day. So obviously, we were not like in the worst part, but it was already bad enough. And, you know, we had gone through Chernobyl as kids, and you were like, you may have to make quick decisions. And we, we actually packed everything in two days and we moved to Fukuoka just to, you know, take a breather, figure out our chances, our options. And wow. well, yeah, well, I would say those were like kind of make or break situation. Um, but at the end, because we had friends here already and a little bit of business connections and above all, we did not want to leave Japan. We were not done with what we had started. So we decided to start again and start from scratch, reset the whole thing. And we decided to build new routes here in Fukuoka because we fell in love with this city. I mean, you have the sea, you have the mountains, you have the food, the nature, and we're just like, this is, we have to try. And it's been, mm. it's been, it's what, now 10 years, <laughs> 11 right, years. Right, So the seeds, seeds the, the first seeds are planted in 2020, I know, the, uh, 20 years ago on your yes, honeymoon. Exactly. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but here's the thing. So now, um, what was your first encounter with Japanese tea and mm. how did you like mm. it? Because you are in a two, uh, tea business, 100%. So we have yeah. to know <laughs> that question. <laughs> um, uh, for, for me, actually, I, it's, it's kind of strange maybe because it all started thanks to my father, who, who, you, who you may guess had absolutely no nothing to do with green tea in japan but uh he loved and he enjoyed watching old movies from uh akira kurosawa or uh yasukiro ozu and we would watch them together i really have fond memories of uh, watching these old movies at night with him and you know these were stories about uh sometimes samurais uh, but also very casual situation um in tokyo during uh after war years and so on. And somehow this was the start, I think, from my uh, interest in Japanese culture. But when you, you watch these movies, there are all, you know, it's, it, they, these are old movies and the rhythm is quite slow and you have these long dialogues. And from time to time, you, you, you happen to have this maybe short moments where uh, people would, would talk to each other, the samurai would talk to each other in a very calm uh, moment. Uh, and usually there would be tea and so on. And this really struck me somehow. And uh, it, it, it really started something for me uh, about Japan. And, you know, these Zen-like moments uh, before the battle or anything like that, or a, a very important decision to make about uh, a job or so on. And these movies really uh, stayed with me and uh, I would really look into the Japanese culture. And of course, they would talk about um, Japanese green tea, um, how the samurai would uh, um, drink uh, green tea before the battle um, and such things. And then I also worked um, before working in the 
IT industry. I worked for a couple of years as an accountant in a um, library, a comics shop, uh, where there were a lot of uh, Japanese uh, imports. And so I could also benefit from that and uh, enjoy other aspects of Japanese culture. So this is a bit of the start of my passion about Japan. And uh, later on, I, I remember when I was actually working in the banking industry, it was quite stressful, but I was, um, our, our apartment was quite near from um, the, the, the office where I worked and I could come home to every, every uh, at lunch every, every day. And I would almost every day uh, before getting back to work, uh, prepare myself a matcha very slowly, putting my old records and listening to the music and just have this moment, you know, very calm moment where I focus on doing the matcha and, and just focusing on my gestures, the, 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 the taste of the matcha, all the, the tasting notes and so on. So even though I didn't know a, a lot about that, it's just, it was just about the moment. Just this preparation, mm. this uh, this break, uh, as we'll maybe talk maybe later about. But this break, and not 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 thinking about anything else, just preparing the match, enjoying it, and and yeah, that's that's I think mm. how interesting, right? Because um, like young boy, like you know, adults, sparkling eyes, looking at the samurai, drinking tea, and it was such an insightful, you know, like inspiration. <laughs> because I think it's well, seriously, um, the samurai drank a lot of matcha for you know calmness yeah. and focus. So it's just a really. It's not just a coincidence. That's a yeah. big part of the history too. And uh, like you mentioned, you don't have to study tea ceremony. You can have that moment even Absolutely. listeners mm. if you know they want mm. to drink by tea and drink. And mm. your day is different if you have that moment. So, yeah, yeah that's a big yeah. part of Japanese tea, not just the green leaves um, prepared very in delicious way. So, um, mm. so uh, what about you? Um, well, well, it's not as I would say inspiring as Aldo. I have to say, because my first encounters, it was also more like back in Switzerland, and it was, uh, you know, with the very standard uh, kind of blend tea they would serve in restaurants just to go along with your Japanese food. We had just a couple of sushi restaurants back in Geneva back then, and it was really expensive, really high-end uh, restaurants. I mean, we're talking 20, 25 years ago. But the tea there was not really extraordinary. It was mostly powdered green tea, not even matcha, or um, simple hojicha. So I was like, yeah, why not? But I, at the time, I had really no epiphany. Or <laughs> And even when we first came to Japan at first, it was also going, you know, to sushi trains or small restaurants. And I never could um, imagine the world that was behind it um, because I simply did not know where to look. And it's the sad thing, I think, when you come to Japan, it's that 
we will talk about that later, but the domestic industry is shrinking. And it's really hard to find places around town outside Kyoto, let's say that, and maybe Shizuoka, where you can ask for a cup of uh, freshly brewed sencha. Matcha is, of course, very popular. But So as a tourist, when we came here at first, um, the, it wasn't that great or like uh, eye-opening. This really came later for me. <laughs> right. Well, it also depends on what kind of the quality of tea really matters. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's just a free, you know, like pre-made tea uh, served mm. from, a, you know, the temperature maintained pot that doesn't have flavor but once you make a fresh tea leaves yourself it's a whole different beverage exactly. so mm. yeah. Right. yeah um so uh let's talk about japanese tea so um mm. so they say that tea was originally brought to japan from china and most likely by monks who studied in buddhism in china and they're also alcoholical mission members to china around mm. i heard it's eighth or ninth century. So, so since then, Japanese people developed their own style of tea to create what we call Japanese tea. So, what exactly is Japanese tea, and what is the difference from Chinese tea? Um, all right. So, yeah, you're. It's so funny because, as we all know, it's the same plant, right? But then you realize that simply by the way we process it, we can create things that are totally different and. So I think in the minds of many people today, when you say Japanese tea, everyone thinks about matcha. Um, green tea would be matcha. And of course, it's much more than just matcha. So we like to always start with the fact that, all right, Japanese tea is more than just green tea, more than just matcha. But um, the, the I would say the key point is that it is green, <laughs> which means unfermented. It's, it means that the oxidation process has been stopped very shortly after harvesting the leaves. And for, to do that in Japan, the process is steaming. And after you've steamed the leaves, you can go down many roads in terms of process and you will get different kind of uh, tea variations like sencha or tamairokucha or matcha if you grind the leaves into powder. Um, so that's just and the general idea. But the fact is, you also find black tea in Japan, kocha, Japanese uh, black tea that is fermented. Black tea is just amazing. It's, it's It was a revelation when I first had high quality kocha. I couldn't believe what I was drinking. So um, I don't want to forget about Japanese black tea when we talk about Japanese tea in general. Mm. Having said that, China, if I just uh, just to explain the difference with Chinese tea is that most types of teas in China are fermented, so would be sort of black teas if we want. But you do have Chinese green tea, and it's super popular in China. The big difference here is that they don't steam the leaves; they roast the leaves. So we don't get the same taste. I would say taste signature. That's the mm. main difference. Yeah, right. I have to say that I I really like Chinese tea as well, so I drink mm. them a lot. But um, so, but whenever I drink Japanese green tea, I taste strong umami, as well as the contrast mm. between intense sweetness 
and the bitterness mm. really perfectly balanced. And then I have to keep going back that you know the three flavors of umami, sweetness, and bitterness, and mm. it's kind of addictive. Mm. And this also, I mean, it's the color is really just a steamed green, like you know, boiled spinach. Just the kind of idea of you, you freeze the color as well. So mm. it's stunningly beautiful, mm. and. Uh, I think, or you can talk about the health benefit, this, which mm. probably is uh, a whole other story. But, you know, like uh, theanine and EGCG, mm. which I heard is, uh, you know, it's unlike antioxidants. And I heard mm. it could be 100 mm-hmm. times more than Chinese green tea. So maybe processing uh, may mm. keeps that uh, antioxidants yeah, more lively. Right. So, yeah, but... Um, you mentioned there are many different kinds of Japanese tea, so let's talk about it. So, what are the most popular types of Japanese tea in Japan? Um, I would say, of course, so in Japan now uh, it's true that matcha is also um, getting a lot of traction. It's very trendy, um, but the thing is, in Japan, the Japanese green tea, uh, as you drink it with, you know, your loose leaves and so on, is still seen as something as a, an older drink for older people because younger generation are just into the bottled tea and they don't really know all the differences uh, of, of Japanese green tea. So whenever we serve uh, Japanese green tea to some friends, uh, even if they know a, a bit, little bit about that, they they quite quickly say, "Oh, but you 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 know much more than us," and they 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 are also like very surprised about what they can taste uh, or from their own. I mean, uh, you know, uh, countryside area and so on. And um, yeah, so so. I would say after matcha, of course, the most popular is sencha, even though, as I told, uh, it's just not really popular among younger people. Um, there is also um, hojicha that people can enjoy because, it, you know, it's, it's quite uh, similar. It has an, a, a taste similar to coffee, so it's also quite... Uh, popular here with hojicha latte, like matcha latte. Uh, maybe less uh, popular, but that has lately um, also found some, uh, I would say, aficionados, uh, is dento hon yokuro, because uh, it's very expensive and you have this incredible umami and um, the taste is absolutely out of this world and you can really have you now have some uh, specialty tea shops that only serve gyokuro um, in a traditional way and uh, very i mean very expensive one so this is also something that is uh, in some i would say maybe more in tokyo than um, in smaller cities, but uh, yes, Dento Hongyokuro is also uh, getting some uh, popularity uh, into mm-hmm. connoisseurs, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, for connoisseurs. Right. So. Yeah, so um, I, I grew up in Tokyo, and then, uh, so my father somehow did really like hojicha, it's a roasty 
type of tea. And then yeah, yeah. I think the majority of household never drink matcha all day because you're going to be totally over, over caffeinated. And matcha is not cheap at all. So no, matcha, no, no. gyokuro, they're they're a special tea that you mm. need occasion. And then yes. usually people drink uh, sencha, which is beautiful green tea. Or some people like my dad, he just had a particular preference to hojicha. And so I, I mm. gave my cha is a sweet nutty, you know, it's like a mm. like rice cracker mixed in kind of tea. So mm. there are uh, misperceptions about, you know, the everybody drinking matcha. Like everybody in sushi in Japan every day. Yeah. That's not true. That is not true at all. So, yeah, those are the idea of, I think, uh, listeners should know. Um, you can drink tea all day, like drinking water, but to get the benefit of health also. And sencha, hojicha, I mean, the gimmicha, these are probably the most daily consumed types of tea. Mm. And then if you want to, open up a wallet, then the gyokuro and the matcha is like high specialty tea. So I think it's important that people don't understand, like, you know, Japanese people eat sushi uh, maybe once a month or every <laughs> two months or something. And they don't <laughs> eat sushi every day. It's the same idea of, yeah, how it should be consumed. Because if you drink matcha all day, you, you're going to be in trouble. So anyways, <laughs> um, so there are main tea production regions in Japan. And mm. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, so usually what you find information where the regions are like ranked in terms of yearly production. So there are a dozen of tea producing regions in Japan, but um, the six, I would say the, the six main regions are first um, Shizuoka. It's the largest tea production, that's for sure. Uh, it's uh, in the well. It's close to Monfuji, so it's at the center of um, Japan uh, in Honshu, the main island. And you have a lot of uh, sencha being produced there, usually for larger commercial uses. Um, and the second uh, region is Kagoshima in Kyushu. It's the southern uh, prefecture of Kagoshima. And uh, what's really what we love about Kagoshima, besides the fact it's so beautiful, it's really you weep <laughs> it's so beautiful you want to weep sometimes and wow. you have actually the ocean and you have a lot of um, active volcanoes so you have a layer of ash covering the fields the soil on a very frequent basis and it has of course an impact on the soil and on the quality on the amazing quality of the sencha growing there yeah it's mostly famous for its sencha um, and the the best known region uh, inside Kagoshima is Chiran. And we've been working a lot with the Chiran area even before EQ. And we just love the tea they make there. Um, mm -hmm. The third prefecture would, uh, the third, third region, sorry, would be Mie prefecture, um, not too far from uh, Shizuoka and Kyoto. And they produce mostly Kabusecha, which is. Um, halfway between Sencha and Gyokuro, where you cover the leaves for uh, about two weeks before harvest. So that's what they are specialized in. And then, of course, you have Kyoto with the Uji area. Um, it's a very iconic uh, area for tea in the mind of many foreigners, but also Japanese people. And it's super famous for its matcha. And then, haha, we go back to the south and we find Fukuoka. 
and we find Yame, which is a smaller region inside Fukuoka. And there, uh, the, they grow any kind of tea, but the specialty, what is so famous for is Dento Hongyokuro, the tea that Aldo mentioned before. This is the king of green tea. <laughs> it's like, it's champagne, it's caviar, and it has the price of champagne and caviar too, but it's just um, an amazing experience. It's a umami bomb, as we call that. Um, mm. And the sixth region would be Miyazaki, also south, south in Kyushu. Um, it's celebrated for its sensha, but for me, it's the home of um, Kamairicha, which is a pine pan-fired green tea. And for this reason, it's really close to Chinese uh, green tea, uh, and it's it's just delicious. So that's mm. I would say the six major regions in Japan. Right, and it's like uh, you know, which wagyu beef is most no. famous from which area? <laughs> yes, I guess yeah. it can be contentious, but you covered everything, yeah. I think. Yeah. So in general, but also um, you know, you really mentioned a very interesting thing that each region has different styles of tea, and mm. uh, the price range can different, but I think, you know, Kagoshima has a lot of quantity and mm. it's a diversity of price range, range too. So basically, mm. uh, listeners go to Japan or, you know, like websites like yours, or you, you mm. can have diversity. So you can choose um, your favorite type of tea at your favorite price yeah. point as well. So, yeah. Okay, so um, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll discuss highly unique teas that you'd like to try beyond matcha and sencha. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Koin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Hi, I would like to make a toast. Imagine yourself setting the table in mouth-watering colors and wares, wearing that beautiful apron that flows like a gown, curating a playlist that evokes a loose, limber atmosphere so you can dance while you cook your way into a world of play and mischief, extending a warm welcome to your guests. Dear listeners of Japan Eats, I am Mariana Velasquez, author of Colombiana, the cookbook, and I live by the ritual of the table. And that's why I created a line of hosting wear, Casa Velázquez, as an extension of my life, extolling that sense of home, retiring any critique of the moment and fully embracing your cheeky, imperfect, unbridled self. Come with me to casavelazquez.co and reimagine your hosting essentials so we can set the tone 
for your table and home. Casa Velázquez is a mutual supporter of Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese on HRN Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Akiko Tatayama, and my guest today is Joel Sambuk Price and Aldo Price, who are co-founders for EQ. EQ is a unique tea company that sells high-quality Japanese tea based in Southern Island of Kyushu. So let's talk about EQ. So what is EQ and what is your mission? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Well, um, we have many missions and and a lot of still a lot of work to do uh, because yeah, we have very nice project coming in. But EQ is really this. Um, as I mentioned before, this moment uh, we want to focus when we prepare the, the green tea because actually EQ means one break, so having a break. And this is something that we really want to focus on. Uh, it's not only the, the taste of the tea, but uh, everything that goes in between when you prepare it, when you choose your uh, cups. Uh, and you, you need to make this break. So this is what we really want to, to, to share with our, our customers. But of course, what we want also to do is to really to create a bridge between um, local producers in Kyushu, very small producers sometimes, and who put so much energy in, in uh, making a, a exceptional green tea, but... Um, Sometimes they struggle to to actually um, market it, um, especially uh, on the international market. Only also because it's it's another business. It's difficult. You need to have maybe a website to um, to handle international payment and so on. And they simply don't have uh, the energy, the resources to do that. So we try to to make this bridge bridge for them and we we put uh, our platform uh, at their disposal so they can sell their teas through our brand and especially now that uh, i mean after two years of covid that was very tough on many uh, producers because uh, they rely a lot on uh, fairs to sell their tea so when COVID struck, uh, there were no more fairs. And so they, they had not so many means to sell it. Uh, many of them, they just sell uh, through uh, uh, mail order or fax orders. And this is not a joke. I mean, they, it's just <laughs> you need to fax it. And, and so that was really tough. Um, and this is where we, we try to, to, to really uh, create this bridge and to, to, to you know, uh, also uh, get a lot of information about their tea. We, we make some tasting with um, tea instructor so that we get a lot of information. And, and then, you know, they rediscover their own tea. Some producer are like, okay, uh, EQ did some uh, tea tasting, and then we go back to them. Oh, look, this is uh, what your tea uh, looks like from uh, this kind of uh, tea instructor and, and so on. And so they're really like, oh, that's my tea. And uh, they're surprised. And then so this is a way we can help them. Um, but I think we also want to, to, to show 
to the world that tea is a bit like wine, you know, uh, or whiskey or cheese. You you have real real terroirs uh, all around Japan with different uh, tastes because of the climate, soil, and uh, of course human skills, and it creates some grand cru, like we say in in, in French that you cannot find anywhere else. So we want also to, to put this knowledge um, and to share it with our customers. But there is a reason for that, is that right now the, the, the um, uh, how can I say, um, the local demand, the domestic demand is, is falling in Japan. And we need to create a, a lot of, a bit more of, interest for a younger generation about the green tea like um, there was like with the um, Japanese whiskey you know first it went very famous in um, uh, in foreign country and then it goes back in Japan and it becomes also very famous in Japan so we want to to create this uh, I would say same uh, uh, understanding about uh, uh, product that is so rich like green tea to the domestic um, product uh, customers but also international customers so yeah mm. this is our, right. our, our missions yeah this is very important right because um well we had a guest daiki tanaka of the matcha he also tries to revive the tea culture in a, a depopulated uh, village and uh I happen to have, you know, you two, two episodes later, but I think it's important to know that tea is such a precious tradition and it's, it's being lost. So, yeah, I really think that um, what are you doing is very precious. And also, like you said, terroir is just a terroir, right? Because it's coming out yeah. of the soil, which is very yeah. different. And also you, your hands and human terroir is a big part of it. And they mm. are aging and you're supporting you know, tea farmers who are just mm. totally occupied with making tea and also not updated with technology like an internet, like email. Mm. And so, yeah, I think uh, it's important. And um, so do you have any good example of tea farmers you work with? Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, We have, I mean, we work with a dozen of people right now and over there it's been like, what, five, six years since we have really um, launch our project and we we've met all of them and we've um well of course with COVID we couldn't we could not go back to see many of them over the past few years but we plan to make up on that and uh at, at the top of my head if I have to talk about a couple of people I would mention for example Irie-san in Yame um he's one of the I would say the first in Kyushu to switch to organic tea farming. And this gentleman, he's in his early 70s now. He works with his son. So that's the good news. <laughs> the next generation is there or working hard. But, you know, he had to go up, up, up in the mountains to create his own field, clear the field to make sure there would be no contamination. And the work this demand, I mean, it's just... I mean, all agricultural work is so hard all around the world. So you cannot really have a competition. But when you see firsthand what it means and all year long, they have to weed out by hand without 
pesticides, anything, the field. This is just like, it's a vocation. So we have Irie-san and his son, and also close by, also in Yame, in Hoshinomura, we have this gentleman in his 40s, and he's a specialist of dental, Hongyokuro, and Japanese white tea and kabusecha, Takaki-san. And he's also someone who is just so skilled and devoted. And we shared a lot of, I would say, joys and sadness because, you know, again, this is about crops. And so climate change, I have to say, uh, impact also tea farmers in Japan. And there was like late episode of frosts or um, or a, a winter too warm where the tea buds would start blooming and then just behind that frost and Overnight, just one day before harvest, Takaki-san lost half of his crops a few years ago. And it's just like you want to cry with him, but he just picked up and continued. And you're like, all right, how can we help? Um, another example is the Tsuru family in Saga, and they were the ones to come to us two years ago. And again, it's a father and son of business, just the two of them. It's also organic farming, and it's also in very um, difficult uh, diff difficult to access uh, area. You have to go by foot at the end. And every year we have, you know now, torrential rain with typhoons and a very odd rainy season. And every year they worry about uh, the, uh, their, their, um, their fields being like uh, overrun by rivers and so on. But they keep on. And they came to us because the son was like, my dream, my dream is to sell my tea overseas, but I don't know how. How can we work together? And we're like, all right, let's do something together. And they are so kind. And we've seen, we've met them so many times. And they even planted a tree for our son. And they told him, you know, you can... Uh, come back every year and see this tree growing and it's for <laughs> you and we're like oh my god <laughs> and then you feel this responsibility I'm like okay I cannot fail I have to go on I cannot just give up and pack and leave I have to go on it, it's you're we are part of a system now of, of, a, of a circle for many of those producers um, and for people like Tsurisan I think we made an incredible impact and this is so humbling because we're still so small but when you realize that just a little bit already makes such a difference you're like oh wow and you want to continue that yes mm, right so um yeah one of the, the i just want to talk about one tea i found on your website uh, it's mm. called the shiraore and uh, mm. it's reasonably priced and uh, i you know when I was in Japan, as I said earlier, my father only had hojicha. And then occasionally my mom had sencha. So I didn't know anything about uh, shiraore. And the shiraore basically um, is cookie that's like stem part, but higher end. So, um, but then I, I went to see your website. Let's say there's a, uh, there's a family who's making it in Nakayama, Kosuke Nakayama-san. And mm. uh, it's just a big story, like, how oh, these guys are making it. And uh, it just really means a lot to why this delicious. Of course, it's delicious by itself, but if you know who's making it, and uh, it's lots of love in there. So, mm. yeah, I think your website is uh, really, I admire what you do. Because you're, this is a, the interface with tea farmers, not just mm. uh, 
you know, so, and I think they need the exposure. So, Thank yeah. You. So, yeah. anyway, so maybe you can talk about Shirawari because I, I, I really think this should be drunk more and it's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it feels good. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, we love, love it. it. <laughs> we love it. Um, yeah, um, I mean, the one we, we have is named Iki, and it's really incredible as a, as a um, Shiraore. And as you said, uh, Shiraore is um, the name of higher-end kukicha, which is stem, uh, stem tea. So you, you include stems and twigs and so on. And usually it's, yeah, kukicha is maybe the lower end of, um, of this kind of tea. And then you have um, karigane cha, which is the Kyoto way of calling um, the, the shiraore. And in Kyushu, you say shiraure, that's right. And the difference is also be, uh, the type of leaves that you use. Usually for um, the higher end, you use gokuro leaves. And the special, uh, as a special thing about this tea, and maybe this is why you like it so much, is that because um, you use the stems, this is where you have the most of L-theanine. And because all the theanine goes through the stems, but then when it, it uh, reaches the leaves, the, um, uh, the, the, the process um, of the photosynthesis will transform the theanine into catechins uh, and antioxidants. So where, basically where you have the most of L-theanine is in the stems. And this mm. is kind of, you know, this is the, 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 the amino acid that makes you relax and feel good. So uh, I really love this tea because, uh, first of all, you can prepare it very easily, either hot or on cold brew, and you can drink that all day long because there is, so, there is not so much caffeine or even absolutely almost none. Uh, I remember when I, I visited first um, uh, Higashi Sonogi and uh, Nakayama-san, um, we did some... Um, uh, we went there overnight and uh, they would explain everything to us in the afternoon. And then we would take the breakfast with all the tea farmers and we were invited to the, um, to, uh, to take the breakfast to one of the tea farmers. And I was, we were taking the breakfast and uh, next to our table, there was a small table and uh, the, the kids uh, were there uh, just before they would go to the kindergarten. And, I saw they would drink something green, and I said, but, I mean, what are they drinking? And, oh, this is green tea. But I said, but aren't they a bit too young to Oh, no, no. As soon as they can eat solid, they drink green tea, and they drink shiraure because of the lack of um, caffeine. And that was also something quite, I mean, surprising for me. And, uh, and this is so, so much part of the life, you know, they drink green tea all day long, really. And they are that when you, you look at them, they are so ganky, they are so, um, you know, they, 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 you can, uh, they feel like they have 20 years less than they, they, they see. <laughs> they really look so great. And I was like, okay, this is another reason I want to drink so much more green tea. And yeah, Shiraure mm -hmm. is really incredible. Uh, the taste, the citrus notes, and it keeps you focused all day long. And yeah, I, I really like this one. 
<laughs> mm. And I heard also the theanine is coming and also uh, it's richer in umami and sweetness, sometimes Absolutely. more than leaves. So yeah. I think that, that's why I like it. So so listeners, it's, it's a shiraore is one name, but uh, karigane is Kyoto mm. style, shiraore is the same. But mm. Also, they, it's called the kukicha. So if you see shiraore, karigane, kukicha, you know, mm. it's something you should try. Okay, so um, yeah, and uh, of course there are so many others, but uh, because of the time, we just kind of uh, we have so much to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> so the, let's talk about the industry. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, the Japanese tea industry has been shrinking domestically, and the industry is facing a big crisis. Like uh, Japanese green tea production has declined solidly from. 49,000 tons in 2004 to 41,000 tons in 2019. Um, so, and also uh, the reason why the Japanese people don't drink tea, of course, they are uh, the bottled tea that in plastic mm. and, you know, in supermarkets, of course, and ubiquitous Japanese convenience stores and famous vending machines. So you don't have to make leaf tea, which is sad because you're missing out something very flavorful. And on the other hand, the Japanese tea consumption abroad has been solidly increasing. So I found the number. In 1993, only 305 tons of Japanese tea was exported. But now, I mean, 2021, the number reached to 6,179 mm. tons. It's 20 times in mm. only 28 years. And uh, how mm. many how many years have we been making tea in Japan? So that's crazy, <laughs> um, mm. right? So, um, so the based on what's happening in the industry, how do you predict the direction of the Japanese tea industry? Um, mm. we, we we feel a bit worried about that because most of the sales are through the um, local consumption; it's domestic, and. The problem is it's we have a population that is decreasing. Uh, in Kyushu, they have some numbers where they expect that the population will decrease from 24% in 2050. So that's like a quarter of the population. And of course, um, not uh, every year we, we, we hear about uh, tea farmers that stops doing doing. Uh, green tea because it's so difficult maybe the sun doesn't want to take over or there is no sun or the population is decreasing so it's fortunately the, the exports are doing better and better for every year so this is very good news but there, there is there is a challenge really to 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 make uh the, the, the domestic uh, consumption increase. That that's I think what I'm a bit worried about, and that yeah, maybe, and yeah, yeah, and I just I would like to add that of course it's super it's great to see those numbers, the numbers you gave Akiko, but at the end this benefits only a handful of actors in the tea industry, the biggest one, and. You will never, it, it will barely benefit the smaller producers, the one who make like, I would say, the most, the, the, the teas 
with only you know the very small tea fields they can never interest a big trading company they cannot sell at a price that uh, large buyers overseas will find interesting and not to mention the quantities and we see this ourselves we know we we you know we have like also a wholesale program but uh, we have to focus on only a handful of our teas if we want to meet uh, the interest, the, the, the needs of, uh, I would say, larger buyers because the production cannot follow. It's just mathematics. So that's that's a bit worrying in the sense that we need also to support um, the, the smaller productions. Otherwise, you will have like um, just a, a couple of big players maybe buying leaves at very discounted sales from producers who just focus from farmers who just make the rollies aracha and don't process it any any anymore. And so of course the matcha craze everywhere is great news, but what matcha, what level, what quality are we talking about? And um, if we want to help the local industry, the quality, what the teas that we celebrate uh, with our website and the skills and the Grand Cru and the terroirs, we also need to help um, the smaller actors, I think. And that's what we strive to do, but we cannot just be the only one. I mean, it's not just <laughs> a handful mm. of foreigners in the, in the office in Fukuoka. <laughs> we can't change that. But so right. we want to raise awareness among tea lovers over, over the world. And it's great to have this opportunity today to talk with you that um, if they have the chance, the means and the opportunity to help also the smaller producers like smaller wine producers like you know quality local production then yes it's a let's try to do this mm. right well this reminds me of um, you know the change in the sake industry so mm -hmm. uh, the sake industry took the same path the declining consumption domestically and then the overseas demand shot up thanks to the popularity of Japanese cuisine and then uh, the sake became more premium that was the right focus. Mm. And the small producers can focus on quality rather than, you know, just uh, try to compete with pet bottles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really want to say that, you know, that you're doing a great job introducing amazing high quality producers. And I think this motivates our younger generation mm. to be premium tea producers. So I think Hopefully. what you're doing is very... Yeah, valuable. So, um, what are your plans and dreams? <laughs> Joelle? Hello? What? <laughs> uh, um, um. Yeah, so we want to, to of course, uh, continue what you are doing right now and create more connection between customers and producers with many original projects. And, of course, now that um, you can visit Japan again, um, it, it's... It's a great thing to to come and visit maybe the the, the farmers and see how it works. Uh, there are some um, stayover that maybe will be able to to be accessed again uh, to um, making uh, some uh, green stay homestay. And this is uh, if we can promote that. This is something that we will do. Um, of course. Uh, what we want to focus is to find new, new tea and create more content. So by visiting the producers again, taking pictures, 
um, see if uh, they have something new to to um, propose us and um, maybe one of the dreams that we have it's to maybe sometimes open a real shop to give the same kind of a tasting and learning experience that you can find in our online boutiques so that would be really a great achievement and um, but yeah basically to, to continue to, to create this bridge um, with many other farmers uh, as, as many as we can and enjoying the tea that we we select and yeah it's it's it has become our passion so we yeah. there is a lot to 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 uh, to do and uh, to enjoy ourselves with with green tea mm-hmm. i think uh, the farmers are looking at you and they know you're enjoying and sharing the same passion so i think that that's why you've been so successful too <laughs> thank you hopefully <laughs> yeah yes so good luck and then where can we find your updates online and on social media so of course um feel free to visit us at uh, eq-d.com so eq is i k k y u um, we have um, we send out newsletters every week or so with news and uh, introducing new products and um, also exclusive offers for our newsletter subscribers. And of, we can also you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we just actually this weekend we just launched our new uh, revamped online shop so that was also a big project that took us uh, some time to complete so we're very happy to to be to offer an even easier and more convenient experience for our visitors from all around the world so have a look and i hope you find the tea the kyushu tea that will um, match your new mood, your needs, and your tastes. Mm. Right, lots to discover. So good luck and uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Joel and Aldo. Thank, Thank you, Akiko. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for short topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at theheritageradionetwork.org or akikuatema.com. Japanese is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Amin Spenjan, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Bunnies is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.